0: Uh, check, check. 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 Okay, ready? Well, we're at podcast number four. We have a special guest, uh, Counselor Vining, today. We, we, we decided to go three. So, Kevin, we're uh, Kevin Nagoya, CEO for City of Coal Lake. We've included Counselor Vining as our kickoff, or as our first, uh, not victim, but our first uh, Guests to uh, join us on these conversations. We have a lot of fun, Uh, we've gotten uh, a lot of feedback. Uh, from the people that are listening to the to the podcast, oh, right?
1: I'm sitting in the middle, so I'm trying to facilitate here. And no, no debating, uh, ground rules, right? Uh, it's it's a, a, keep that in it's the a council chambers, chambers. Monster, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Nagoya. And,
2: well, you, we need two more people to make a motion. That's right. Well, you bring the issues, and I'll bring the rights. I think we're indication. safe. We don't have corn. We're good. We're good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a, about a few items, but uh, you know, it's great to have Councillor Vining. Uh, you've Been around on council for what? How many years now, Chris? This is eight years now. Eight years, so it's great. And, you know, one thing about our council, uh, I think we got a pretty wide range of opinion, uh, and uh, nobody's uh, shy about expressing their opinion, but one thing uh, that our council, I think, does really well is uh, uh, you make your motions, you you bring your... your, uh, items for discussion, especially during the budget uh, process. But uh, I think we've done a great job of respecting everybody uh, in council.
2: Yeah, I think it's one of the great parts of our council that we've been together. Like it's been a pretty similar group for a long time. But at the same time, I think everybody's understanding their opinions. And I think, yeah, I think one of the best parts of the council is that. Um, we are, we can have those diverse opinions, but we don't, it's not taken personally. We can vote against, you know, vote with or vote against depending on where our conscience and where our opinion sits and, and, uh, usually and in general without hard feelings as well. So that's really good that way.
1: New blood on council too, on the last yep. term. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's
2: been good yeah. adding Council councillor Soroka and, and Council Grau have been good, fresh voices at the table for sure. Yeah, and they, you know, it was uh, good
0: to see some people interested in running for council. I mean, it does, uh, a lot of people don't know, but uh, councillors are assigned, assigned to uh, various uh, committees, and we're going to talk about one of the, really one of the most significant ones in our community that Chris has been sitting on for a long time. We'll get to that soon, but, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun and uh, it, those that have come to our council meetings know that I, I run a pretty tight ship. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, the idea is to have pe- the public come in and express their concerns. And, you know, our job on council is to really keep the community going forward, uh, uh try our best to make decisions to, to do that, but, uh, mm-hmm. for the greater good of, uh, of the community. One of the ones that Chris, that we did uh, as a, as a, uh, Council during the budget deliberations uh, last fall was recycling.
2: Yeah, for sure, it, it's an interesting one. Whenever we're on, we get to these discussions. Recycling was a good one. I think we in the past we've had great discussions about even our, our garbage and how we handle uh, those kind of things, and and even you know to the point of really looking at and and I think administration does a fantastic job for us of really doing an analysis of what is what's the best delivery model, right? Whether it's going down the road of handling things ourselves or or doing it through, you know, doing th- delivery through the private sector. So I think it's really good and it's very helpful in being able to make a decision that's in the to decide what's the best interest of the community and best
1: interest of our of uh, the citizens of Cold Lake. Even in uh, the recycling and waste management, uh, there's a mm-hmm. lot of data that comes out there of uh, how sorry? much cardboard, how much uh, uh, plastics, tin, and even the 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 residential uh, like the the wet waste uh, household waste okay. stream, and exactly where all of the origins of all the different. Uh, yeah. Um, type of waste that is coming out of the system and where do they go to, and how do you tabulate costs for each one of those areas and say, well, who should be paying for what, right? Yeah. So,
2: well, it's a really interesting one because I mean, it's a big, it's a big line item in your budget, right? It's a, you know, and especially when we talk about utility bills and trying to figure that out, and so I think it's very. Uh, important that you know that we're looking at this stuff because the you know it's a because it is a big bill that goes out to the ratepayers and we need to make sure that we're doing it as properly and efficiently as possible, but also taking care of all the things that we can take care of that people are expecting, you know, and recycling uh in today's day and age is a big part of that, right? And waste diversion. Yeah.
1: One of the challenges with recycling specifically is uh yeah the cost associated of doing it. It's a definite balance mm-hmm. uh what council has to set as a service level for its community and uh, and and environmental practices, um, but it's also the other side is is uh, the marketable commodities. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, a lot of the commodities, plastics and uh, cardboard with a lot of uh, more, mostly overseas influence on these marketable products have played uh, played weight to, they're not worth a lot of money right now. So right. It's, it's costing more than you're, you're you're generating revenue from from those products that you're pulling out of the waste stream. Right. Of course, the city of Cold Lake is holding a lot of those products right now and uh, everything's kind of standing still before you sell it, hoping that the market will come back. Yeah, it's an always an
2: interesting one when we talk about the economics of it, right? Like because we should uh, be able to have market for those recyclables, right? Because obviously they're being out there and being used, but it is a challenge in trying to get those things and finding a market. But then it becomes even when it's not economically feasible. And it's what is you know what is the expectation for the level of service as you, you said that ratepayers have for these things, right? We don't want to you know, and the last thing we want to do because we know the cost is we need to try to avoid putting stuff in the landfill and sending stuff to the transfer station because that's a big bill when we start talking about trucking waste. So how do you- Thor right, Yeah, right
1: now we're trucking all, all the waste that we we send is to Thore Hill. So everything has to hit that transfer station that's that right. uh, can't either be recycled or go into the ground. Uh, the, the landfill can only accept dry Construction waste, things that mm-hmm. can't really decomposed in that way, uh, it's uh, the, the demolition and inert material, and uh, everything else uh, goes to Thorhild and it's on by truck, right yeah. on the roads. The yeah.
0: uh, recycling, for those that don't know, is 100% cost recovery. So all our more or less all our utility bills in Coal Lake Council set at a uh, 100% cost recovery. We're getting very close on the mm-hmm. uh, water and sewer at 100% cost recovery. And, you know, when we look at it, when we talk about tax increases, we also as a council have always looked at the utility bill increase. And so the recycling, we, we uh, were shown uh, information from administration that uh, they felt that uh, this other option that we're, we're pursuing here is going to be able to maybe possibly lower the recycling costs in Coal Lake, which would then... Uh, hopefully uh, lower the uh, utility
2: bill each month. yeah, and I think the big thing too is, is you know, when I talk to people about their utility bill and about recycling, one of the big encouragements for people is that it's it is about waste diversion. It's not just about recycling, right because the more we can get, into recycling, the less we have to put on a truck that then goes all the way to Thorhild. So there's, you know, because that is a huge cost as part of this. And so if we can divert those wastes out of there, and I know that administration and other administrations around the province, around the country are are looking at what are the best models and best practices to be able to get the waste um, to minimize that amount of waste that has to go to landfill, but still doing it economically and doing it in a way that's responsible and, you know, without a massive cost overrun to the to the. Yeah, taxpayer. I think you
1: raised a really good point, Council. Uh, about I want to say about two years ago. Uh, commissioned maybe it's three years ago. Commissioned a uh, integrated solid waste management uh, report uh, stra- uh, strategy, um, and uh, in that report, uh, it gave uh, lots of targets and availabilities that, uh, t- in terms of being able to improve the amount of diverted recycling programs, one of the where where council so far has kind of stopped short right now is kind of going out there with a a bold statement of saying. Um, we're going to take out 60 or 70 or 80% of the recycled goods mm-hmm. as a target. And the only reason why you've stopped short of that right now is just the fear because there's costs associated with that. And you want to be careful because, you know, right now we're paying quite a bit of utility rate fees or being charged. Th- that those numbers can increase very quick if, if not careful. And then you're not meeting your strategies, right? So it's about trying to find the right balance mm-hmm. of how much you can take out, out, out of the system. Yeah. Interesting things that you're, you know,
2: as you get into this, and eight years on council, the things that become interesting to you, right? Like, you know, <laughs> we're now, so boring. Yeah. Well, now it's like when I'm telling my kids to be quiet because I'm turning up the radio because there's a really good story on CBC because the city of Edmonton is analyzing their waste diversion program and they're talking about percentages. And I'm like, well, I got to hear what what are they talking about because. Yeah, so it's interesting. There's fifty-fifty inside the counter
1: chambers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh,
0: So Kevin, uh, the locations uh, that we, we have, the, the ability of residents can, of course, put it out on their curb, uh, the recycling. The recycling truck uh, with city forces comes and collects it but also we have uh, other locations in, in the city that people can drop off their cardboard and stuff.
1: Well, yeah, you uh, Council got to tour the new uh, bins that have been located, one at the energy center uh, and uh, one over uh, downtown um, mm-hmm. for the Cold Lake South areas. Is It's uh, the kind of the city's vision was is to be more accessible or closer to where people mm-hmm. live. Um, so one kind of close to in the north and one uh, deep in the uh, deep in the south here and uh, I, they've been implemented as an mm-hmm. effective October 1st of this year. Council did a tour of them. Um- and uh, they're very handy. You can see they're custom made for any the of the different commodities, the cardboard, the the glass, and stuff like that. Um, they are serviced every day, uh, and uh, they are being monitored so that way we don't have you know littering and stuff like that uh, very closely. And uh, we seem to be thus far in the uh, kind of the first weeks. It's uh it's already and even before implementation, uh, the public already saw them out, mm-hmm. and uh, they were already being used. So we had to service them before the October first right. implementation date, and it was great to see them used. And, uh, and already active so um what yeah.
0: about the, out at the transfer station we built uh, during the budget process uh I don't think it got reported maybe as well as as it could have but council had had funded the uh, the new uh, recycling center the center of excellence over at the landfill so uh Maybe and that's now open, so c- people can come into the the landfill itself and also drop off
1: recycling, uh, as we saw. Yeah, you can. the The vision of the city was not necessarily just because the landfill has You have to go across the scales and stuff like that, so it's a little mm-hmm. bit more um, requirements, uh, kind of layers to get into there. So we wanted to make sure accessibility was the most important, mm-hmm. and uh, between uh, for the residents and. And uh, yes, there is a new material recovery facility up there that uh, that everything gets bailed and gets ready to ship for uh, ship to market. So uh, we have a storage area. There is a compactor up there. Um, it, it is a brand new building and uh, it's being uh, currently just being utilized by just the existing uh, resources that we have with no no additional resources. And our friends from the
0: Coal First Nations, because we know that they're listening to these podcasts, as we found out uh, the other day. So that's awesome that uh, chief and council are listening to us. But, you know, um, The residents in Coal Lake First Nation certainly can come into the community and use the two locations for the recycling or drop off at the landfill.
1: What's interesting is on the uh, the recycling uh, program that we have is uh, the amount of usage uh, regionally. Right. Because um, uh, there is the, uh, the 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 closure of the bins or the no longer the bins are being active at the, where the Cold Lake Recycling Center are. There are these new locations that are blue. Um, we do get a lot of calls from uh, actually uh, MD, of even Rural Residents outside of our area of, uh, of updates on the program and stuff yeah. like that,
2: yeah. No, I think it's great. The fact that the service is open and it's available. Um, certainly you know we all saw for years how busy that location was even at the with with our partnership that we had with Cold Lake Recyclers and they, I mean they did a great job um, being available and having their bins out and stuff but I think anybody that if you've watched for it really sees the amount of traffic and stuff going through there so the new bin program and being able to, and that was really I would hear that from people it would be nice if, to have something closer, closer, to the, yeah. closer to the north and that so this new program uh, is really helpful and I think a lot of people are using it and like you said I I think I hear a lot of good feedback from people that don't necessarily live in community areas that have a recycling program. But you know, it's it's a new day and age and people feel that. Lots of residents and stuff, and people out there feel they should be recycling, as opposed to whether or not it's a program that's available to them, you know, through their particular municipality or and that. So,
1: yeah, I think it's great. Now, to have speaking that. of the uh, the Cold Lake Recycling Center, as you mentioned, how much it was being used there. Uh, just, and just for clarity, the Cold Lake Recycling Center Bottle Depot, uh, the regulated stuff is still that has not changed. That's correct. I just want right. to make sure that that's uh, in the public understood. This mm-hmm. is only for the kind of the other commodity goods, the tins, the the uh, the plastics that are out there that have. The Symbols on them, um, the cardboard and the paper, um, the regulated stuff that that you you'd go to the uh, the, the stores uh, that you pay deposits on and stuff like that for pop cans, milk jugs, and all, all those regulated stuff is still handled through the same as it was before. That has not changed. Yeah. Well, we uh, we just
0: recently came back from uh, the AUMA, which is the Alberta Urban Municipality Association uh, Convention, and. Uh, so that's what, you know, it's a couple of days events so held every uh, every fall. And, uh, you know, Chris, uh, our, council, our council was there uh, your thoughts on uh, the AUMA convention?
2: Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. It's always AUMA is always an interesting one when we're after when it's post election, whether it's a post municipal election year when there's AUMA or if it's a post provincial election AUMA. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a good it was a good conference. I thought you know as always the city of Edmonton does a fantastic job and you know and we've had it in Calgary and we've also had it in Red Deer. Uh, they always do a great job hosting it and getting the everything ready and and uh, really providing a lot of back support and that, and helping out with AUMA. Um, so it was good. It was great to, I think this one, you know, if we were to put a, put a title on this AUMA, it was kind of the get to know me AUMA because uh, <laughs> lots of new ministers that, you know, I would think that a lot of municipal officials wouldn't be able to put uh, faces to the names. So as much as the, you know, because we have what we call our, we call a bear pit sessions where you get a set of ministers up and fielding a bunch of questions. So they're you know, they didn't have a lot to offer in direct insight to us, but at the same time they were able to really give us a lot of, you know, at least you met them, you could kind of hear them, you knew kind of what their connection to their portfolio was, which was good. So that part of things was, was I, I well I'm
1: done. getting a tweet here. Uh, uh, what okay. is AUMAs? Uh, we get used to, so we used to acronyms. Right. It's just kind of our daily lives. The Alberta yeah. Urban Municipalities Association, they host all of the uh, – um, uh, kind of the urban cities, uh, including right. uh, Calgary, uh, mid-sized cities, the 22 mid-sized cities, and then towns and villages throughout the, and summer villages throughout right. the province. And there's also the counter kind of the sister uh, uh, association, which is the RMA, mm-hmm. Rural Municipalities Association, which uh, hosts all of kind of the counties and the municipal districts. So right. MD of Bonneville in this yeah. instance is in our region. So, right.
2: yeah. So I think it was interesting because we noticed a couple of times at our Urban Municipalities Association that there was a very strong presence from our friends with the Rural Municipalities Association that even though they don't have a voting um, membership. And strong uh, there. It it was amazing. It was a strong presence. They wanted to. I think they want to join the AUMA.
1: Amalgamation of the uh, joining of the two associations. Well, since we're on the topic of
2: (laughs) (laughs) amalgamations, we probably go that. I think one of the really good. One of the really strong things that we're hearing at the at the Alberta Urban Municipalities Association table is that we are we're no longer, I think, just talking into the dark uh, as we were a lot for a long time back. Like we've been talking about efficiencies within government, efficiencies within municipal governments, and efficiencies for ratepayers for years. and, and uh, I think the one interesting piece with the new government coming in is that they are talking a lot about this red tape reductions and finding efficiencies and such. And so as a result, I think now we're really starting to see more conversations are occurring uh, at the urban municipality table to say, okay, what's going on in our region? To a certain extent, do we have too many elected officials uh, for the population that for the populations we're representing and are there better ways to kind of synthesize uh, operations and uh, where before, you know, people would listen. I know Mary Copeland has been on this one for on this train for a long time, along with the other a few other, especially in the mid-sized mayors. Um, so now it's interesting. People now aren't just listening and nodding. They're they're talking. Mm-hmm. And they're having those conversations, and I know we sat in on a great panel with uh, with the mayor of uh, that mayor uh, Grand Prairie, mayor Prairie hosted. Uh, with a lot of the representation from Newell from the Newell County area down around Brooks, yeah, Brooks. Uh, the mayor from Brooks, the mayor from Bazano uh, was a part of that because they've been going down a had started down a path with the county of Newell about talking about regional government and then also on the panel was uh, was Mayor McGrabby from the county of Laclaish who've already gone down that road when Lalabish County and Lake or when the town of Laclaish and Lakeland county. Uh, amalgamated back here about oh, that'd be now about ten years ago. Yeah, so that was a great
0: panel, and I thought Omer, the mayor of Lakemich, did a great job. I mm-hmm. uh, really was impressed by the mayor of Bassano. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and we of course know the mayor of Brooks very well, being the AUMA president. But you know, there was some. It was room was pretty packed. I mean, it was a bad eight o'clock start, so you had uh, you know, you you're fighting that uh, that morning that morning traffic, but uh, the. Uh, you know, I have to agree with you 100% that uh, there's more and more uh, municipal people talking about uh, the future. Mm-hmm. And when you've got the province talking about red tape production, the Minister of Municipal Affairs is is right in front of you is how many municipalities and how many can just amalgamate. And you're going to just be that much more efficient because really it's about the taxpayer in the end, mm-hmm. whether it's an industrial taxpayer, or downtown business commercial, or a resident, whether it's rural or urban, we're all in this together, and I think it's going to be a big conversation going in two thousand twenty. I think, I think it's starting to grow legs, uh, not without mentioning any municipalities, but certainly you now have mayors uh, from some major municipalities that are talking this subject mm-hmm. material. So that was that's new. You know, we've been around a long time. I think mm-hmm. that convention, like you said, was probably the first time we've really heard it in spades.
2: Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because for for years we'd talked about it, but without any real push from inside at the provincial level from government to say, well, this is something you need to look at, and and I know that there was some through the conversations the previous election, we had had kind of hoped that we would hear from the new government at that time, the NDP government, to say, okay, we're looking at doing a little bit better with this, and and so with the municipal the new Municipal Government Act that came out, there was some hopefulness that there was going to be a little bit more there, but one of the things that was there and I will give give the previous government credit for was the ICF the intermunicipal collaboration frameworks that they wanted all municipalities to have so if you border up against one another you have to talk about services and how you share that and how you share the cost and I think although that process hasn't been very successful. I think Mr. Nagoya said there's about 60 out of 300 municipalities Four, yeah. have, have ICF mm-hmm. signed and the due date is supposed to be in April. So it's going to be interesting, but yeah, the, the I trend think the trend is
1: mostly there seems to be a trend is a lot of them is rural, rural or rural summer villages, very small communities. Right. It v- seems to very be tiny the kind ones. of the, kind of the, the, the major ones are still out right. there. Right. And whether that's a sign of trend or is that a sign of, you know, what is that? What is that? What's yeah. the tea leaf saying on that? Right.
2: But, But, But I think one of the big things that the ICF has created in the ICF is it's forced municipalities to really look at their relationships with each other and to really study and understand not just the financial impacts, but just the community impacts and the community implications of if we help in such a way, how does that assist the communities? And so once you get people really doing a deep dive on their numbers and on where they're, you know, where their residents live and how they access their services, I think you start to then the eyes start to get opened a little bit more that, yeah, there's more going on here than than meets the eye. And if we are talking about being really good stewards of the public purse, right, and of ratepayer money, then why aren't we having these conversations? Right? At least, I think the big part is have the conversation and get get to the bones of the matter to really see if there's a will to do something and and be really open and honest with your with your ratepayers that if you are or are not as to. Philosophically, why are you not, and why are you, if you are in favor of going down that road? And so, I think that's really important information for uh, for ratepayers to know.
0: No, no, it's great, great talking to Chris. I mean, we saw it as a council back in 2010 uh, when Municipal Affairs asked uh, ourselves, uh, Glennon, uh, MD, of Bonneville and the town of Bonneville to to take out, take off your council hat and and think as a region, because it was based on uh, there's only one taxpayer out there. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think you know when you start looking at the Um, I mean, some of the parts that when you start talking about smaller rural municipalities or smaller urban municipalities, you start thinking that there's a little bit of a lack of a lack of power sometimes to really make make good change. And so when you're talking, for example, about the city of Cold Lake at 14,000, the town of Bonneville at five, 6,000, you know, in these little splinters as to what your power is at the provincial table or what your power is to be able to grab onto some of those, you know, the big and big grant announcements that the feds come out with. And then, but wanting to see that get to your area and not just get gobbled up by the large urbans is how do you create that power base? And, and even if you were to look at, you know, if, if we were to throw it on the table, like even in this region, you know, you could basically throw together one council that would pretty much have their own MLA, to represent you at the, le- in the legislature mm-hmm. and how much, how powerful is that when we start talking about those kind of things, like when you can really marshal your power together and come with one voice. To your, you know, to your MLA directly to then take your take your concerns and your voice to the ledge. I a great example for
1: Fort Fort McMurray, originally known as Hollywood Buffalo. They've got a very very strong voice uh, yep. to two MLAs, two MLAs, MLAs that's right, um, and a very strong voice at the at the mm-hmm. provincial level and yep. uh, much stronger than it was prior to yep. the. Uh, yeah, two, stra- two Strathcona right? County would yeah, be another. Strathcona example. County, Strathcona another, county, another county They've voice. got
2: two or three MLAs yeah. that that are dug yeah. directly into their into yeah. their county. That is uh, you know, and when you have, like you said, you got that one unified council voice, right? That this is our priority and this is what we're working on. It could be very uh could be very advantageous to the region. And I know like yeah. it's tough sometimes to have that thought of being a part of something bigger as opposed to my municipality that I'm currently a part of, but You know, I think it's really worth the conversation, if nothing else.
0: Mayor of uh, Brooks talked about the makeup of the new looking council. If they were Mm -hmm. to amalgamate with Newell County and there's a bunch of smaller uh, municipalities that were going to join that. I think he said, and I might be a bit wrong, uh, there was eight CAOs and uh, eight councils inside the Mm -hmm. greater Newell County area. And of course, going down to one council, you'd have one CAO. But uh, the fact that they already were in discussions about how many councilors would represent Brooks and, and, and Newell County, I mean, they'd gone down the road and unfortunately, uh, for I think for all of Alberta, uh, that uh, that conversation now now has ended.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think it's a it's unfortunate. I think there's a lot of, Anytime, like whether you're a city of Cold Lake resident, you know, let's say, or, you know, let's in terms of when we're talking about Brooks, whether you're a city of Brooks or you're a town of Bassano resident or you're a county of Newell resident, there always is people have strong attachments to their communities, right? That's that it's part of their identity. And so I think a lot of times when we start looking at that is that. The the emotions and the feelings that come along with sticking to your municipality and this is who I am um, can sometimes override looking strongly at the facts of how how does this help right and how is it what's the what are the pros and cons um, to the whole thing and yeah, I think, and that that's quite you know but it but it's a powerful piece of the whole thing right we know that from back when we amalgamated from Grand Center you know, to the city, you know, Grand Center, Cold Lake, Good Medley to the city of Cold Lake.
1: Good example.
2: You know, we still hear from people that were old Grand Center, right, residents that that, that it was, yeah, that they didn't, li- and they didn't like it. They didn't yeah. like being thought of as Cold Lake residents. They wanted to still be Grand Center. So, you know. You, and so they you got over it. Magnified out. Yeah. yeah. And it does. And eventually yeah. you do. You, you just realize, oh, okay, well, you know, boundaries are artificial, right? We just draw them ourselves. Yeah. You know, we draw them on a map, but we all interact together.
1: So. In the presentation, a, a, a theme that was also there, though it seemed to be consistent across the table, was there was there a, appeared to be, or or the feedback that each one gave was this: there was no, the province was at the table, but not necessarily leadership to the issue. Right. I and think, think Mugabe said that. Yeah, I mean, remember, yeah. I remember I mean, that one came up. really
0: recommended yeah. that the province has to be with you in the corner. And the that's other ones were did. very
1: yeah, careful, but I heard them say yeah. it too. Uh, um, you know, I think yeah.
2: And I think, yeah. you know, I think there was a part where the previous government did make a statement with with ICFs. They said, you guys need to get together and, and work this out and how you're going to share because it's not, you know, because there's, there's burdens being placed that are unfair. And so we need to talk about how we get this out to be fair and equitable. So that was one statement. And I think that really what a lot of us, I think, are hoping for eventually down the road with this new government is that would be to hear from municipal affairs that we're supportive of this and we are ready what do you want to do to help? We'll, we'll, we'll get help get you there. If you're willing, we're, th- we're willing to. And that's something that so far really through that process, it's, well, if you're, oh, if you all get along with it and you're all okay with it, well, then we'll, you know, we'll kind of facilitate it. But I think we need a little bit more, Yeah, to like a good, better direction.
0: Yeah, when we heard from uh, the mayor of Bassano and Brooks talking about their conversation was, it seemed like the more information they put out there, uh, you know, they are elected to make decisions for the greater good of the community. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, they could see the, the, the math behind everything that it would make sense to come together, but people are afraid of the unknown. And I think what people have to do is they have to look at the current examples. We, we talked about Sherwood Park inside Strathcona County, Fort McMurray inside Wood Buffalo, Biche inside Biche County. We've got great examples right now of very successful uh, amalgamations, and so it has been very quiet out there uh, since Biche. Nobody's really done one of these amalgamations. But I think at the AUMA, mm-hmm. we we saw kind of a little bit of a toe in the water mm-hmm. uh, that municipalities, whether it's rural or urban, whatever. When I mean, we saw the the uh, the small vill- uh, Flagstaff County, there were some mm-hmm. s- communities and down in there that they're talking about, you know, uh, looking at this amalgamation. I think you know people got to get past. The fear and start looking at the greater good of their their right. community, which is your community is a big, huge area. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's something that uh, definitely I think can, the province has to be their leading example. We don't want what they did in Manitoba, where they forced
1: That's it. Right. Is that we want to work together uh, for the greater good of all Alberta? Yeah, uh, the on the floor, uh, getting beyond the uh, that conversation on the floor of the AUMA. Uh, <laughs> Um, you notice that there's actually a, a contrast or polarization on uh, on the issue around the new police funding formula that's being proposed. That was quite interesting to see right. on the floor of the AUMA. Right, you got the smaller communities, sub five thousand population, as uh, and uh, and then anybody greater. Right, so for the for public knowledge, right now kind of communities that are larger than 5000 all have to pay to uh, their policing costs, uh, whether it's uh, 70% of the the full cost uh, recovery, uh, but at 90% after you're uh, beyond 15000 population. But uh, you, you kind of saw a stark difference that the kind of the mid-sized communities and larger communities are saying, well, no, this new police funding formula that the, the government of Alberta is proposing that's saying everybody needs to contribute mm-hmm. to the cost of policing was, uh, you know, a, a, a polarized view from the smaller communities saying, well, no, you know, you we're concerned about us going, you know, I think someone was used bankruptcy and uh, couldn't afford it and can't pay. And you can see the differences in, in the rural communities as well. There's a lot of conversations surrounding that that yeah. formula.
2: I've always, I've always found RCMP funding. The time that I came on council, I think it was one of the first things when we went through service level reviews was the first big like for a new councillor was like, whoa, that's interesting, because the thing you don't know when you get into it, you realize that you you've got a bill here as part of the city. Once you're in the city council, it's on in your budget to pay for policing. And and at that time, I think we had already crossed into the seventy percent. Line. Oh, yeah. 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 We're at seven. But in that, and even about that time, I think we were at 70%, or we had just recently crossed over into that 70% number. And then as we went through those really strong rush years and stuff, as we were staring down this magical Maginot line of 15,000, where all of a sudden policing costs for us was going to jump from 70 to 90%. And one of my, you know, your internal conflicts counselor that when you're looking at that is, What is the magic that makes that happen, right? What is the magical thing about 15,000 that now says we can take on another 20% of our policing costs? Or even as far as that goes, if we look at our small municipalities, what's to say that all of a sudden a municipality that's at 4,500? Can't afford to pay for their policing, but suddenly a, a community that's at five thousand can afford to pay fifty percent of it. And I thought it was an always a very interesting um, discussion. And you know, and as we go through budget and we look at it, those rising costs that come along with policing, just because there's a natural creep to policing, right? There's new you know new labor agreements that get signed, and so there's pay raises that come in. The utility bills never go down; they always go up. Yeah, you know, all of these kind of things, those costs and so it keeps on creeping into the further and further into the city budget as you go but but it was so the frustration sometimes is looking at it and going well why can't if that city that's a t- or town that's at 2500 or 3000 well if they're not if they were paying a share would that help alleviate maybe what we have to pay you know into the grand pot of into uh, the grand pot of money and and so now i think yeah. what you're seeing from the new government is they're looking for ways you know they they openly came out with through the McKinnon report and said we need to cut 600 million dollars uh, a year out of our operating where can we get that from well i don't i don't know i had the number in the in my head and but now i don't have it but of what the provincial policing bill is and you start looking if you start charging municipalities a little bit more and one of my fears though in addition to that is that there's a, there's strange things that happen under the dome sometimes that legislate what's fair and my fear one of my fears is that okay if we add say 15 percent onto those smaller municipalities are all of a sudden we gonna get are we going to get asked to pay another five or another 10 yeah. just you know we're well, just gonna we're gonna we're gonna shift the whole formula right as opposed to adding on new payers we're gonna say, well, you know what, smaller communities, you guys are gonna pick up twenty, but you know what, you guys that were at seventy, we think you guys need to be at seventy-seven. So right? uh,
1: yeah, so. context of the uh, the local city of Cold Lake taxpayers is is that the uh, our kind of the policing co- uh, bill, inclusive of everything, is around that three million dollar right. uh, price tag, and where you're, you know, when it comes to the members themselves, or the, I should say, the RCMP contract itself, because mm-hmm. there's costs associated with the building and stuff like that, right. and uh, um, is about uh, you know at two point two. 2 million. And, uh, you know, when you go, if we do another census, we're going to go to the next, we know that already, we're right. in the 90% range. So that's a 20% um change to the budget mm-hmm. on that uh that kind of that 2.2 million dollar budget so that's you know right. it'll be significant when we do the next yeah. uh, next census yeah. um you know we do get cost recovery at about eight hundred thousand dollars in that uh, in that budget line from revenue side between you know uh tickets or um, the provincial government also pays for rent of that building right. for the provincial part of the contract back to the municipality so so between all the revenues and stuff like that you do get about eight hundred thousand dollars back so right just that's context for the community anyways okay yeah. so we're gonna you're you're, you're uh, when it comes to the AUMA anyways uh, uh, your worship you're now on the the um- the, uh, the Caribou uh, Committee, you've just yeah. been recently kind of nominated by the AUMA. Yeah,
0: one of my favorite animals. Um, the uh, the Caribou is uh, discussions are gonna start uh, in early November. And so a, a bunch of, set, yeah, yeah, a bunch of uh, mayors and reeves have been selected to be on uh, three different panels. And so they're gonna, it looks like they're gonna man up uh, early November and start the conversations. And the provincial government's getting input from stakeholders. Uh, at these panels and uh, on the Coal Lake uh, Caribou uh, plan uh, I'll be representing uh, you know the municipalities at the table and there'll be others there'll be First Nations and others at the industry at the table so it's gonna be really fascinating uh, uh, to be a part of it and I, I, I'm understanding there's gonna be a lot of data shared so uh, we'll make some decisions and uh, you know it's trying to be a happy balance here keep you know increase the population but also allow economic activity and respecting First Nations uh, rights on, on, the, on the landscape. So it's going to be uh, something I've never done before, but I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, the AUMA committees, uh, you know, they have standing committees, and then they also have these uh, special committees depending on if there's some priorities that come up. Um, standing committees at the AUMA um, include uh, infrastructure, energy, environment, governance, um, they used to have the special Municipal Government Act review when they did the Municipal Government That's Act right. review. I sat on that one there as a, as a, as a CAO to, for advice to the, to, to the AUMA through the government. Um, I've been sitting on, uh, the infrastructure and energy, uh, committee for reviewing. With Tony Catarina. Uh, oh a yeah, Mr. Catarina. To yeah, big shout out to Tony. <laughs> now Tony's, uh, the city of Edmonton's got rules about how many terms are allowed to sit on a committee. So, uh, it sounds like, uh, Tony w- yeah. will be moved, moved to another, uh, committee with the AUMA, but, uh, no, uh, yeah, shout He's out to Tony. He's one of our favorite counselors. Uh, oh yes. We've yeah. been around him for a long time. He's yeah. a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. I think it's an interesting one. The caribou conversation is very interesting. And it's very interesting how... Uh, I because I just happened to watch uh, W5 actually last week had a really good, especially they were talking, they were dealing with Northeastern British Columbia is where they were looking at Fort St. John area and caribou and, but it was a very interesting one because they really did, they flipped in and looked at it from a lot of different angles. And so it was a very, so if anybody's kind of looking for a refresher or anything on what is the issues around caribou and why it has become such a contentious thing, that, that W5 piece would be very worth, uh, would be worth your watch. Yeah, That's it's nice. good. The,
1: so uh, um, when if- when these so these AUMA uh, um, conventions come up, it's not only AUMA; it's the uh, annual convention. You have the FCM annual right. convention and. Uh, uh, most of council uh, tends those. it depends on availability. Sometimes right. some councillors don't go, um, but they're important to be part of the room. Is you, there's lots of subject, and you're only yeah. touching on a little bit of the subject matters yeah. that are there. And and I think, uh, you know, even on this one, there's, it's the, uh, well, FCM, uh, yeah, the Federation of Canadian Municipalities right. representing all municipalities across Canada to right. the federal government, right? So, yeah. um Yeah, the, FCM's,
2: uh, a, FCM's an interesting one, because you really do get to get the perspective of, of councillors from around the country and from elected officials from everywhere and and you also get to really look at what you're trying to do in your community and what other people and especially in host cities and what they're doing and you're like oh, how did you guys do that yeah. you know like when you you know when you're in Halifax and you know we talk about lakeshore development then you're in Halifax and you watch what they're doing along their oh, harbor front and along the OCH front. And you're like you you feel like <laughs> I can't take a spade out and dig a hole in the ground, but you guys are dri- driving pilings into the Right harbor into the water, yeah. As, like as just fast, fast like, as you well, can, got, you right? An you're an you're, and, can.
0: and a condo development right on the ocean. Right, yeah, right on the edge of the
2: ocean. But uh, you know, so it's, it's very interesting to, to look at. But I think one of the drawbacks, you might only drawback with FCM, I think, unfortunately, is that there's only so many cities FCM will go to because it's such a large it's convention. Yeah. So you do get a bit of a tilted perspective of, like because there's great study tours you go out on, but there's such large municipalities 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 so you know for example i know from the last one in quebec city the you know we we toured the videotron center Mm -hmm. and my goodness what a for a public building um but a full-size nhl arena that was 100 a public building it's quite fascinating but but you don't get to necessarily see the smaller ones. same thing like they can build a public library and we want to go see oh what are you doing in your public library but it's such a massive it's like comparing your lakeside cabin to the taj mahal right there's
1: different. a lot of courses a lot of touring of the uh, uh study tours of uh, of different uh, specialized things that are happening in those host communities i think a key one also is in there is is that uh a lot of times ministries from your province or from your uh, from the federal government are attending those functions and and connecting with them and we've done that different uh um, in uh, Ottawa regarding uh, the Ministry of uh, Public uh, Services and Procurement, um, mm-hmm. meeting with their ministries uh, right on uh, Parliament Hill um, in Alberta, you know, recently even uh, we've met with the, uh, had a meeting at the at the AUMA in Edmonton with uh, the Ministry of uh, Ho- Seniors and Housing. That's right. Um, and being able to connect with uh, the the administration side of there, especially mm-hmm. on that one, the ministry, um, you know, because recently, uh, you know, you guys actually are getting into uh, one of your other appointments, committee right. appointments of council, uh, uh Chris, is the uh, the Lodge, uh, Lakeland Lodge housing and Housing f- yeah. and housing Foundation for the community. That's right. um, and that's regional. That, that includes right. uh, Bonneville, Cold Lake.
2: It's basically the entire MD Bonneville region. So you're talking about we are uh, City of Cold Lake, Town of Bonneville, Village of Glendon, and the entire MD of Bonneville are all part of that. And each uh, municipality has representatives. Uh, some are appointed. Um, Glendons, for example, is their town manager. But... MD of Bonneville has two counselors on there. Town of Bonneville has two. We have two as well. So it it uh, it's a great voice. I think it is. If uh, if if somebody were to try to tell me that you know this goes back to our regionalization conversation. If somebody were to try to tell me that you can't make a regional body work, I would call your bluff and I would say come to a Lakeland Lodge and housing foundation meeting to look at how we organize ourselves and what we're doing for our communities and I will and I will call your I'll call you on that and if you can show that it's not working then good for you because for from my perspective you've got a regional a group of regional people from very diverse backgrounds like I said from city of Cold Lake for town of Bonneville, to Glendon you know MD of Bonneyville uh, all working towards that same, you know, the same focus goal, right? How do we better service not only seniors, because the lodge is a big part of it, but the housing side is also part of which includes social housing, which is, so subsidized housing, we own an inventory of subsidized uh, rent rent subsidies, including, you know, for, for people in um, the city of Cold Lake, uh, Kimberly Manor would be, is one in our portfolio. And then we have a bunch of single family houses as well that are part of it and that includes in in Bonneville and that as well and so and and to help out the you know basically really working poor people on AISH those kind of things are all part of that inventory as well we run a program called the direct to tenant rent supplement program which we have about 75 uh, clients on across the region so that those clients are with a scoring criteria but they pay 30 percent of their gross to to cover their cost of their rent and we supplement the rest of it so it's a good program like I said we have about 75 families on that and it's about 35 thousand dollars a month um that that budget is for that comes from the government to be able to help that then we have what's called a senior self-contained program which is low-income housing specifically for seniors so here in cold lake that's hillside manor and pioneer village here in uh, in cold lake south um that again we between cold lake and Bonnyville and glendon i think we have about a hundred and I want to say about 120 units um, that we put into our senior self-contained. So again, those are for fixed income seniors. And again, same thing. They can get a high quality uh, house, you know, housing option uh, at that's based at 30% of their, uh, Is it, their oh, income.
0: Just what about like, let's talk about that. If, yeah. uh, how does it work on your income? So say you're, say you're pulling in $50,000
2: through... Uh, Your pension and say some RSP, can you move into something like that? Yeah. So the rental base is based on your line one. It's based on pretty like we always talk about the line 150 um, and then your- from that then becomes, they set the ratio for what your monthly is going to be. And then we have a maximum amount that you can pay as well. So there are four or senior self-contained. There is a a uh, application process and a scoring criteria because the first, the primary focus is for low income seniors first. Uh, but certainly with rent, if units are available, uh, then people can, then people of all income levels, you know, as long as they're over 65 uh, can apply to, to have access to those
1: to those units. Is one of the criteria mobility as well? As yeah, the, there is some of that in
2: there. The senior okay. self-contained not quite as Long much because case. they're still, you know, fully looking after themselves. I think one of the things that we do within that though, that um, AHS and our home care do those assessments is to, for people that need say ground level, you know, ground floor entry uh, home, which is great. Like we have Pioneer Village over here that's fully, you know, ground floor level so fully accessible versus people that can have you know can still live on the second floor like we would at at a hillside manor you know, and then of course, then we have the lodge program on top of that. And so the lodge program right now, I mean, we just opened the brand new lodge in Cold Lake at uh, 62 units um, that we can, that we can fill in there uh, up from the 32 that we had in our old lodge uh, from 110 square foot rooms to 350 square foot rooms and, and two really nice big recreation areas uh, from the one that we had that it was also the dining room and also the TV room. And so it's a great ad and then we are completing a huge project in Bonneville, right right now that is going to bring us from, when I started on the foundation, we were at about 65 units in in the town of Bonneville. It's gonna bring their inventory up now to about 130. Uh, Units so then to really help those. Seniors. So that's
1: uh, at the AUMA we connected uh, with the uh, the housing and uh, seniors and housing found uh, found uh, ministry, mm-hmm. um, and that was more just to talk about the old building. But that you know the 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 board has to work towards you know what what what's the future use and stuff like that. Yeah, right. and some ideas around there. Um, when did the new building um, come uh, occup started to get occupancy? Yeah, just- so
2: we we started moving everybody in last uh, kind of late spring. So it was around that May timeframe that we started moving people in and the unfortunate thing is with the size of the build that we did there was that we did run into some issues just in construction so we were quite you know I would say significant uh, when I talk about you know and I felt horrible for both the staff and for seniors in our community that were waiting for that building to open because we were almost two years uh, behind in being able to deliver that asset. And and it was just an unfortunate, you know, it's one of those. Still l- a beautiful l- building. Thick. It's yeah, it's, or, it uh, The is, residents,
1: it's, uh, we just uh, yeah, toured there with the, the minister.
2: Yeah, and, it was great uh, to meet Minister Pond. She came out and uh on her tour and toured the building and did a, uh, she sat and did a hot stove with all the different providers from our entire region that provide services to seniors. And that was really good. And then we had the opportunity to, to have her, you know, basically kind of have her to ourselves, um, to, to take her for a tour of the building and, and, It is an amazing facility, and I think that, you know, certainly the build is one part, uh, but I am going to give a huge shout-out to Leanne Jorgensen and her team uh, at the Lodge for how well they put it together afterwards. Just some fantastic work went into that place to make it feel like homely, you know, and um, not just, oh, we're going to throw a picture here and do that, like, the intentionality of it. And the minister was just blown away that how could a brand-new building um, that people had only been living in for four or five months have this much character and warmth and yeah. you know it to, to it and that that's really just a credit to that team because they just basically were given a very small budget and we're told well okay we'll do what you can with it and what they've made what they made out
1: of it was really impressive. Mr. Mayor you had a request in there when you move in. Um, yeah we were looking at some rooms I know Councillor yeah. Lay was with us. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: there's some uh, great views in some of the rooms and, and Chris so how are we with occupancy if anybody's listening and concerned about uh, right. you know uh, these is there is there room to move
2: in? Yeah, we certainly have room for, for folks to move into the lodge right now. Um, and I think part of it, we were behind the eight ball, certainly with the amount of time it took, because I know we had people that were ready to move in and then have over these years have found alternate arrangements or now are in a market where they're trying to sell what they're living in currently so that they can move in. Um, so we're starting to fill up, but we're at about 38 units are occupied right now in there. So we're about two thirds full and, but we're really, I know even the staff is working working on some marketing and that to really get out there and get the word out that we're, that we're ready for people to, to move in. And, and I know there's, you know, talk is going again about like, and, and again, the best, the best PR for that place is the word of mouth from the residents that are in there. And, and I know we've, I've got a family member in there as well, and she loves it. And it's, it's just a great facility, great staff. Uh, I think that's the biggest part is the people make the building. and We're going
0: to change our Canada day parade. So that the residents can oh, That's right. well, the,
1: the, 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 well, the lodge residents love the uh well, we did yep. the two detour this year to go in right. front of the lodge and yep. they absolutely loved it there. Yeah, and there's so been it a lot was. of requests that we can uh, that temporary can be <laughs> yeah, permanent. Can become permanent. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think for
2: sure. Yeah, it's a great, you know, it's a great facility, and we're really we're super proud of it. And for those that also know they're they're on the plans, if you look to the what would be the south end of the building, I think I've got my directions going correctly, there's a green space there of just grass. And so that is not intended to stay like that. Um, the phase two for the Cold Lake Lodge is to put 20 more uh, of our senior self contained units. So those are our ones that, you know, people that are still cooking and cleaning in that and, and hook it right onto the right onto the lodge. So Good, right
0: no, I, You know, I, I know you talked about it earlier, Chris, about the lodge, but I think the work that yourself and and uh, the other counselors that have been on that board, especially the ones that have been around for a long time, you know, we helped uh, support uh, you know, Bonneville Lodge getting, you know, getting expanded because, you know, we, everybody recognize, okay, when you work together as a region, right. whose assets really, yep. you know, really for come sure. to the top when, especially down in Bonneville, they were full, uh, old building, etc. And so it, you work together and that's what that foundation does so well as um, uh, everybody comes together for the greater good and, and, uh, you know, I think that's kind of a segue to what's going on in the bigger provincial conversation right now.
2: Yeah. And I think, yeah, like you said, it's a fantastic, you know, the, when you get together and you identify the need, you know, and, and one of the big things as part of the board, when you go there is you're a board member, not a counselor, right? So you kind of have to take off one hat and put on another one uh, when you hit that, uh, when you hit the table. And, and I think we have some, again, very good productive conversations about how we keep that, keep moving forward. Yeah.
0: You know, as. Uh, at the, uh, just recently, we've been recognized by uh, the Communities in Bloom uh, group. Uh, you know, the the federal judges gave us five blooms. You know, that's really significant. You know, everybody in the community recognized the staff and the volunteers, uh, how they've really, you know, made with all the flowers and the plantings going on in Coal Lake and the residents doing a great job in the business community. Uh, it was great to get recognized federally
1: uh, by yeah, the, the, uh, the You know, achieving a, a five blooms is one one merit, right? That's uh, and we haven't done this for at the national level uh, mm-hmm. for quite uh, quite some time. I can't even remember the last time we did it. Um, and for the first time, going back at the table and having the, the community group, uh, the 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 society, help out um having a five blooms and and they've changed criterias quite a bit because it's not just kind of your gardens and stuff like that right. and and the cleanliness of your community so those are all those still key pieces of the markings is the cleanliness of your community the um and and the gardens and the flowers um the kind of new criteria is going into uh kind of green um, energy uh, and conservation, sustainability is much part of it, and uh, energy and how like uh, you know s- uh, alternative energy uses are being integrated, and also um, a cultural aspect of your community okay. is how it's being integrated is 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 key component. So achieving five blooms is very very, that's very very positive. The group had a uh, had a. A booklet that uh, for a submission, which was a part of the council package that was provided, um, the judges were were just uh, couldn't believe the the package that was put together by the uh, the city Co-Lakes marketing team and the uh, the uh, the, uh, the community group uh, as well as the uh, the gardeners as yeah. well. Fascinating product.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, giving a shout out. I mean, a huge shout out to Jazz uh, at the city and her group uh, for the work they do because I think when we start talking about those kind of things, community pride, there's a bit of a knockdown. Down effect as we go along, right? So if as a city, I believe, that if we're showing that we take extreme pride in our public spaces and what we're able to provide and show the city, I think that it has a trick that has that, right? So by, you know, whether it's lights and banners and those kind of things that are kept neat and clean and and, uh, in good repair to the basket, you know, the big hanging baskets downtown, I mean, my goodness, that uh, number of times my mom has said to me, she just wants me just to pick one up and just bring it over and set it on the deck because I should be able to have that power. you know, it's fantastic, <laughs> but I think the, but the pride trickles over, right? Like, it's so you're, you know, we as a city, we take pride in our green spaces and in those ideas of where we can put uh, the flowers and the, in the plants and stuff to make things look good, you know, keeping things mowed and stuff properly through our mowing program, uh, keeping the beach clean and tidy, you know, as part of that program, it has an effect onto the rest of the community. And then people start doing similarly right i think there's a great there's a bit of a uh group, group think and a group culture on that as well
1: there's actually a, and in the five blooms there's actually a uh, a second award that the city uh, received in there was was award. It was actually a, a, an interest with a vase. It was a, a award in itself. Was the the gardens and the and the mm-hmm. and the, uh, the flowers that the city did was under special recognition of that. Mm-hmm. It was uh, outstanding for the for the national award as well. Right. So that was quite. Uh, that's very very big. Very big. Yeah. Well, and just uh, big.
0: before we uh, close uh, off, oh, uh, Kevin, I think what we'll do is uh, um, talk about uh, this. At the council meeting, not only did we recognize the five blooms, but uh, also we had a lot of residents come forward and talk about uh, arts and uh, and culture in Cole Lake. And Of course, uh, a lot of people know about uh, the great work that's done over at Grand Parlor, the entertainment over the last few years has been fantastic over there. It provides an avenue for the artist community, which is really large, uh, of a lot of talented people uh, um, that get on stage and behind the scenes. Uh, you know, in Cold Lake and it showcases uh, that it's an opportunity for them, a venue to, to perform. And unfortunately, you know, this, they have a sustainability uh, issue in their present location, but we also, you know, that night we had a lot of people come forward and want to know uh, council's uh, thoughts.
2: Yeah, I think, well, I mean, from my own perspective, the arts is such a huge part of a good community, right? You need that fully well-rounded uh, aspects. and And we've always had within Cold Lake, a lot of little groups, been kind of moving about and doing their thing, you know, whether it's the visual arts group or it's the Ener- cold Lake entertainment society and, and some other ones and the Kines- Kinesoo, performing arts. And, you know, we've had lots of really good um, organizations do some neat things. And, and I think that, uh, I think the recognition from the community that came out of what happened with, with grand parlor um, you know, certainly Craig connecting his group that was at bean trees and then their vision for grand parlor and then moving it to a nonprofit society with cold Lake entertainment society, I think the city really saw that the momentum that can be gained by pulling all this stuff together, right? Like where you have a venue on one side where visual arts are being presented and then you have, you know, performing arts being going and music scene. And so I think there's some great stuff there. And I think that, um, you know, we are, you know, and as I said to the group that was there on, on Tuesday night, from my perspective, I just, I, I, I can't, or we, uh, as the city and as council, um, don't necessarily have you know have the ability to come in and 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 drive this, and drive this bus. But what can we do to help? You know, where can our support be? Uh, and then I think it's important for us to be able to look at it and then get together at the table and, and have the debate as to what can we do. And if this is the ask, is it doable? Um, you know, be to, to support because I think we do have a great amount of energy in the community, and I and I want to be able to see that if there is a plan there. Um, what we can get going.
0: Yeah, no, totally agree. And you know, council over the years has has tried our best to support anybody that comes forward. We Mm kind of want these groups to take the initiative, look at the East Coast Garden Party. Mm -hmm. I mean, that person that put that on, uh, he lost a ton of money, we were a major sponsor uh, of the event. So, you know, if people are willing to take the risk, uh, we're, we've are we supported all of the art requests, culture requests uh, during our entire time.
2: Yeah, like, you know, we look at different things that go on within the city and what you can do, like whether or not it's, you know, music and, and we're putting on concerts and, and things like that and hosting concerts, you know, at the energy center or at the, in the field house to, you know, you know and another prime example was the, the feast at the beach in the fall, right? That wasn't a city of Cold Lake venture that was the Chamber of Commerce they had the idea. it was the, them that were driving the bus and they came in and said this is where we could use your support And then it's incumbent council to get together, have the debate what can what's our tolerance level of what we can support and what we want to put in and and, and, and at the end of the day, I would ra- I would love to see these groups grabbing the bull by the horns and and firing these things up and not just waiting for the city uh, to get after it, it's well, you know, somebody's got events, a lot going on, right? Some of these
1: events are are accessing also uh, provincial and federal grants as well. Yeah, right? that's correct. Um, you know. I think the uh, the chamber in that feast of the beach has inclusive mm-hmm. of that one yeah. as an example, right? So, yeah.
2: and well, there's when, other other
1: examples too. Yeah, when people, are willing, to, groups, when people uh, are willing to when people are
2: willing to put their put their resources into it and whether or not that's real dollars, but you need to recognize that human power has a value to it. And so when you're talking at, you know, feast at the beach was one like thousands of hours of volunteers went into running to that. I mean, and what's that worth, right? You know, and and, you know, can you put a dollar figure on it? And so, you know, you need to, you want to foster those things and you don't want to be, I think my big thing as council is is that whenever I look at it, I, I look at it and going, Would our involvement or not involvement in in this become the barrier to it ever actually happening, right? And if that's the barrier, if we're the barrier that's going to keep something from happening, then we really got to value it. Is it have value to the community? And then how do we move that barrier out of the way so that these groups can move forward? Yeah,
1: the uh, the city is restructuring its uh, community uh, grant programs. Mm -hmm. Um, It's created a new uh, bylaw for the structuring of a committee. I think we've got now a couple of uh, applications uh, for people to sit on it. Um, There's two members of city council that will also sit on it. Uh, once we get the group formalized and the budget uh, restructured for the new year, I think uh, that will start to roll out in the new yeah. year as well. So Yeah, it's exciting
2: yeah. way to to look at it. You know, yeah. we've we've been you know a lot of groups just keep coming to council and stuff, and and which is fine. Yeah. It's great that we've got communities and groups it that want to do that. Like
1: that new new yeah, uh, grant structuring includes uh, arts and culture True. programming and kind of some clarity yep. in there. We um, have the community capital as well that's mm-hmm. in there. So there's the kind of the the, the events and the mm-hmm. and and the uh, and what what programming. I guess maybe is the yep. better word versus also the capitalist. That's well. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We've
0: seen uh, the MD of Bonneville really get involved yeah. in, uh, in 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 the in the events in Coal Lake. So it was great that uh, you know the MD of Bonneville has really taking an interest in events in Coal Lake. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah. So we've uh, we had a great discussion, uh, Chris, with uh, you. You know, I, I want to say that it was exciting to pick you as the.
2: <laughs> First well, should, uh, victim, your, your, or but Your counsel. Worship shouldn't shouldn't we talk about I your, don't know. Your, your award yeah, for the uh, yeah, Alberta yeah. you, you Public Works well, Association? Yeah. Like over, uh, so I think we need to, to, we need to deep dive a little here. better into this one because I want to know: <laughs> is this your skill at running a backhoe, or is it your skill on a grader no, that got you the Public I, Works award? Is it your design of pipeline? Like where my, where my, are we at, I, Your Worship?
0: Yeah, pipelines. Well, um, no, I was uh, <laughs> I gave a talk at the uh, at the conference, Public uh, Works conference, and. You know, our, our city staff have recognized provincially, we've got a lot of awards uh, on what we do, Public Works Day, Public Works Week. Uh, and so they heard me speak uh, at uh, the local chapter here. And, you know, I my presentation is, talks about uh, politicians and working with administration, respecting the service levels, uh, you know, I think uh, our, our staff do a great job educating us when we get elected and as a, as we grow older into this, these positions over the years. And so he gave a presentation. They asked me to come down and, and, and speak uh, this week in Red Deer. And then, of course, they surprised me with uh, this award. And, I, you know, I really appreciate uh, being recognized. But, I, um, you know, I think it's a team approach on our council. I think we do a great job on our council of respecting the boundaries, and hmm. uh, you know we're not in in the weeds uh, trying to run that uh, that vac truck uh, when Danny and the guys are out there at forty below. I mean, you know you, you see things as a counselor. Um, you're driving around the community, and you look at things, and you see your staff in action. Like the other day, uh, putting the Christmas lights on right. on the poles, right. And of course uh, we get lots of emails from the community and and, and council always brings them to Kevin uh, the CEO. and 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 we you know we're trying to uh, our role is to respect the CEO and then the CEO gets us our, our answers.
2: yeah I think you know and again we were going back around to that like it's just huge work that get done out of that public works. Shop we, you know, we know the the facility even itself and and its limitations that it has, but then how hard the department and the, all the people up there work, and that's a and that's a credit to you know to to uh, Mr. Khan and to uh, George Erlacher and his, his group up there. I think you know it's fantastic leadership up there that keep it going and and why they keep getting recognized because yeah, they, they, they co- received they received know, another award they received this year another as well. award yeah, which will be presented at council uh, right?
1: yeah next week so yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic yeah. stuff you
0: know like we we talk and. You know, council gets beat up once in a while about all the recreation facilities we funded. I mean, quietly, the public workshop has waited and waited and waited <laughs> for a brand new building. I mean, it's embarrassing. Uh, you know, to be honest, it's, th- it's on 16th Street. It's not the prettiest place, but pound for pound, they, they punch above their weight. And, uh, so it's in our budget I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about budget, uh, you know, we want to replace that, that building and, and build something nicer for the staff that can last for the next 40, 50 years.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, they, and again, the Public Works Centre of Excellence, that's, yeah. that's where we're at. That's our
0: funny name for it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we try to have a lot of fun on council and, and uh, so appreciate, uh, Councillor Vining coming forward. He is a wealth of knowledge, uh, when it comes to the, to the, to the, to the lodge, but also, uh, Chris is a good, uh, uh, end of the teeter-totter in our our council we have a lot of fun and uh, we have some very strong uh, counselors that uh, are not shy to uh, to uh, voice their opinion and so counselor Vining has been with him for a long time here and he's uh, always a pleasure to work with and uh, so we're gonna have uh, over the next while we're gonna have all the counselors join us on these one-offs and and uh, because yeah, we don't want to hear myself and Nagoya talk all the time. Oh, eh? yeah, no, that will get we'll put too many yeah. people to sleep. Yeah. yeah, we we did get that we did <laughs> report on that that, that lady that uh, was driving, uh, her kids and and uh, they listened to our podcast and uh, put the kids to Could, bed.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a happy drive
0: a to Midtown. Very yeah. easy.
2: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah
0: well, good shout out to all our listeners. Uh, we appreciate any feedback and any subject material that uh, you want us to touch on. But uh, again, Chris, thanks for coming.
2: Yeah, thanks. I, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk and and uh, you know get people get to hear me talk about all the things that I've gotten geeky about over the last eight years that I never thought I'd be I'd be that interested in. So, but uh, thanks everybody. What got for you into politics? Like, we never asked you that. Oh, geez. Oh man, you want the whole? Do you want the? Oh, you know, okay, please tell us. Cole's notes version. Um, no, I, I'll you know because I, I talk about this usually at election time every time my my great uncle pete rupert was the uh, longtime counselor in the little village of lomond down in southern alberta and they were a little three-person council that elected their from the three of them they had to pick a mayor and so my uh, my uncle pete was the mayor uh for years and years and he was uh he was friends with peter Laheed and all these other people wow. and stuff that were kicking around and and uh I always asked because he was, because he also ran a huge welding shop. That was his main business, him and his sons. And, and uh, I remember asking him once, even when I was little, like, you know, because he was running around because back then, like, you know, he's running out to running out to start to get the dump fire going again because it went out, right? Um, You know, why are you doing this? And he said, well, if you can, why wouldn't you? So, there you go. Exactly. That's and that's in a nutshell. That's my thing when I, you look around and you want to you see something that you think you can make an impact on and and if you have the ability to do it, well, why wouldn't you? And, and it's a credit to my family that they put up <laughs> put up with this stuff yeah, too and the You can go shopping at Sobies or uh, yeah, or at a hockey game. It is a, yeah. it is a commitment of time. My my job. kids yeah. will not go right. to Sobies with me on a Sunday. I will oh, well. guarantee you if there you want to see me walking by myself without my kids, it'll be on a Sunday afternoon in Sobey's because they know that's a two-hour trip minimum.
1: <laughs> Pick up a loaf of bread and <laughs> yeah, you know.
2: exactly. Just because I needed I needed <laughs> cheese. Really like I needed cheese that's and right. milk. That's right. Right. But uh, but no, yeah. but I but at the same time, the other part about municipal politics I love is that. You, it, you you you're standing in front of it you're making decisions that affect directly impact your neighbors on a daily basis and, and i think it's a it's a the most powerful form of government and it's the most rewarding uh and it has its frustrations but at the same time i you know wouldn't change it for anything
0: could you imagine if the province said that the municipal government the council is going to be involved in all of the health care and school decisions in <laughs> oh, your community, like, like oh our my. sister city in Hugelsheim. Yeah. And you know, think about red tape reduction. Can you imagine if that provincial wow. funding, all they did was set policy that yeah. the money to operate your schools and your hospitals was now part of our job. Yeah. I think we could do
2: it. Well, I think we could do it. I think it would be, uh, that's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> I think there'd be some people around this table might be looking for a raise. <laughs> Excellent.
0: All righty. <laughs> well, on that positive note, we're uh, we're gonna sign off, and I hope that you guys all enjoyed the
2: podcast. Right on. Thanks, everybody.